Listening Podcast, episode 44. We're talking top 50 Beatles songs of all time. Jake, why the Beatles? It's 2016. We're in the midst of the strongest music month that we've had all year. Why are we looking backwards and talking about the Beatles? I'll tell you why, Sean, because it's been 50 years in August since they stopped touring. And that movie, Eight Days a Week, the documentary about their touring years, directed by Ron Howard, came out this year, um, and it was awesome. It got us both on a Beatles kick for mm. a couple weeks, and so we decided to rank our favorite Beatles songs, because um, they're endlessly fun to talk about. Mm. They have such an abundance of songs that are great, well-written, you know, and, and you know, there's, there's just great albums, there's great stories around a lot of them. And uh, also wide appeal. A lot of people like the Beatles. That's right. You know, probably an easy sell on yeah, this episode. Yeah. <laughs> get a few uh, cheap plays. Just get a get a free one. Yeah. Get a freebie. Yeah. I've got this, my Beatles yeah. complete chord songbook I here know, on hand. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to actually use it during this. Um, well, what you can do is give you know super relevant facts about what chords yep. are in each song because most people care about that. Right. So for example, I'll say like, oh, within you, without you, uh, this song has. There's so many more interesting thing, interesting things about that song that you could talk about besides whatever chord is being played. Yeah, so I mean, it depends how you want to break it down. Some people are interested in like you know looking at the way it was written from like a chord progression standpoint. Yeah, if you're a nerd, right? Okay, I mean, if this is gonna be how the whole episode goes, <laughs> just, I don't know if I want to do it. Listeners, just wait, just wait for the after show of this episode. It's a lot of that. No, but I'm not going to use this book for anything. I just thought it would be funny to pull it out yeah. because it's literally just, it's every single Beatles song in this book uh, transcribed into, into chords. Good, good, good. You know, so I could learn them on my, my little guitar. Yeah. Not okay. a big deal. Yeah, no, it's it's not. You're right. Um, wow. So, Jake and I, we did a lot of work. We each ranked each of our f- favorite individual Beatles songs. Our top 50. We each did a top 50. And then some, actually. And we did a little more than that. What we then did is we did an aggregate listening podcast top 50, where we took the average of my top 50, and we took the average of Jake's top 50, and we made that into a listening podcast top 50. So what we have and what we're going to share with you, starting at number 50, is what, when you combine both of our favorites into is the top 50 Beatles songs, in our opinion. Now, Jake, let's give the listeners a distinction between best and favorite here. I, I will. And because just... you know what's going to happen? It's going to be like a March Madness bracket all over again. So Jake and I, back in March, thought it'd be fun to do a best lead singer's music uh, bracket. We got torn apart for and that. And people were like, why didn't Eddie Vedder win? It's like, well, we were doing it for fun, you fucking dunce. So... <laughs> How about you just have a little bit of fun? Oh, why isn't this person on it? Well, it's because we can't include everyone, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't take the criticism lightly. No, that's because sure. Jake and I are really sensitive people. A little sensitive. We had a bit of a... And we were putting ourselves out there for like the first time ever, yeah. creatively. Dipping our toe into, into ranking stuff publicly. Yeah, and, and we didn't take it well. Let's dial it back. So, two... Points of explanation. One, so for the average, just to explain it in general, uh, we both did our top 50. So I'll use one that didn't make the top 50. I'll use I'll Follow the Sun, which came in 55th on our weighted ranking. Mm-hmm. 
So on Sean's list that uh, got nine points for, I guess, being 41st ranked. That is correct. And I got f- four points for me for probably being 46th ranked. Yep. Or would that be 47th? Either one. So it doesn't matter. So anyways, you average those together, it gets 6.5 points. And so on up through the list, um, as you get more and more points, they rank higher. The second bit of distinction between favorite and best um, so obviously there's no objective way to rank best Beatles songs. That's like actually impossible. But I think there is a general critical consensus about what 10 to 20 songs are the quote-unquote best Beatles songs. And I think what you'll find in this list is that there's a higher concentration of slightly deeper cuts and songs that are not necessarily as widely revered mm-hmm. as songs that uniformly make the like best ever Beatles yeah. song lists from any magazine I, that puts it out. I'm going to tell you right now that what you're not going to find in this top ten is what you find in every other top ten. You're not going to see Hey Jude, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, and you know whatever else ends up always making it into it's a top ten. It's not your father's top ten. For, exactly. So, like Jake said, a lot of this is deep cuts. A lot of this are personal favorites. A lot of these are songs that we have an emotional connection to ourselves and to that point we've listened to the Beatles discography so many times now those very very popular songs that are constantly on the radio you that you constantly hear were a little burnt out or I don't want to say sick of because they're still great it's just we've heard them too much to have them still have that emotional impact that some of these other ones do yeah what I would say what it is is it's it's that you start to realize what's pretty great about the other songs that got less hype and that maybe you listen to less. So if there's one song on an album that always gets all the hype and you heard your whole life, it's like, hey, well, what about these other ones that are also great? Because that's the thing about the Beatles. They packed every album with mostly great songs. You know, you got your uh, Dizzy Miss Lizzie's of the world. You got your Chains of the world. Just classics. You got your Mr. Moonlight's of the world. You know, so... Those are the sort of songs that are going to... That's our top three right there. Just spoiler alert. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. Those didn't even sniff the top 50. But what I will say is that this list, I think if you are a serious Beatles fan, or even if you're just a casual Beatles fan, you're going to find stuff in here that A, you haven't heard before, or B, we're going to give some more attention to things that you might also love that you don't think has gotten enough attention before in the past. So I hope you like it. Just know that these we're not saying these are definitively the best songs. We're saying these are individually our favorites as a podcast. We'll probably call the episode our favorite Beatles songs, yes. our 50 favorite Beatles songs. Yes. Do you want to dive in? I'm thinking we're going, to put a little, we're going to put a little segue music in here. Let's dive in. I'm going to try to... All right, so let's start the top 50 now. Okay. At number 50, Sean, what do we got? We have Your Blues. Your Blues, a white album cut. The second track off the third side of a double album. That's right. So, Your Blues, it's a John song. Mm -hmm. This is when we started to see John getting into more of that just straight ahead rock, kind of heavier vibe that we ended up seeing with I Want You, She's So Heavy. Mm Mm-hmm. Dig a um, Pony, songs like those. Exactly. So you start to see this transition into more rock-centric Beatles, which, it, you know, if they continued into the 70s and they and the Rolling Stones were kind of going head-to-head, this is, I think, more of so what they would do. Can you imagine an early 70s 
Exile and Main Street comes out, you know, Led Zeppelin's doing their thing, and then the Beatles are like, well, what's our response to it? I feel like a lot of it would be in the same vein as your blues. John's response would be at yes, least. Yes, for sure. Yes. And uh, what I love about your blues, some of the lyrics on here, like this lyrics like, uh, it just it go, he goes straight for the the jugular on these lyrics yep. stuff like I'm lonely I want to die I feel so suicidal just like Dylan's Mr Jones like John doesn't hold back here he's going full out and I feel like this was I mean it was White Album era 1968 he was starting to I think resent Paul resent the Beatles as a construct and I think he started sort of just lashing out where mm. he could mm-hmm. and doing rocker stuff or whatever fun yeah. fact this is a song. That he played in like a super group, quote unquote, the Dirty Mac, mm. with Keith Richards, I think the drummer from the Hendrix Experience, I want to say Clapton, I don't quote Ooh. me on that, I think Hen- Keith Richards was playing bass, I think Clapton was playing guitar, and John was singing, I think it was in the Rolling Stones Flying Circus, that movie. Oh wow. But I've seen that clip online, you should check that out. That's awesome. He's singing lead with like a band that's not the Beatles, it's crazy. That sounds so cool. It's really This song has some bite to it, it's got some grit to it. One of my favorite things about it, I ranked it pretty highly on my list. I actually had it at number, um, I had it at number 20 overall. Wow. Or uh, actually, sorry, number 30 overall. Um, and so, quick note about that this is an example of a song that didn't even make my list. That's right. And so, that shows how deep a catalog the Beatles actually have. That's right. Um, it's obviously your blues is an awesome song. Didn't even make my top fifty. I think you, you ask me a couple months from now, it might well have, it, you'll make the list. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It was number thirty one on my list, and uh, yeah, it's got some grit to it. It's it's a little bit different than what you would expect from the Beatles, and I think this is a good example of a song that you know if you're more of a casual Beatles fan, you probably don't know this one off the top of your head. Not maybe by name. No, no. So so here's a question that's gonna help. Uh, you sort of go through the podcast. How long do we want to spend on each song? Uh, maybe a couple minutes. So I think we can probably move on. We're to figuring the, to the it next out on one. the fly, yeah. here, listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. figuring it out. We're gonna try and keep it organic. Yep. You know, it, if there's a cool story about something, we'll talk about it. Yep. And if it takes a little bit longer, it takes longer. If it's shorter, it's shorter. So let's move on to number forty-nine. What, what do we you got? Announce it? We have "Girl" yep. uh, from Rubber Soul. Mm-hmm. Um. This one ranked pretty highly on yours. Yeah, it's, so it's it's the inverse of your blues. So yeah. whatever, you, what did you say it was for your 20th? Uh, your blues was 31st. 31st, so that's what Girl was for me because it got 20 points from me, zero from Interesting. you. So an aggregate of 10 for both. So they were actually tied for 49. That's right. Um, so yeah, Girl is on my list because I love... Just the progression in this song, the melody in it, the overall mood, the the deep exhales on the chorus, yeah, the way John sings it, some of the lyrics. The, is there anybody going to listen to my story? All about the girl who came to stay. It's very poetic. Sort of shows them moving towards, a, like a more poetic, more meaningful style of songwriting. This didn't rank as highly for you. No, that? it didn't. I don't have a ton to say about this, just because this. I and Rubber Soul is a perfect example where we have a lot of different favorites on this there's a lot of songs that you love from rubber soul that i didn't even that wouldn't even rank in my top 100 beatles songs really this is an example hmm. would not sniff my top 100 ranks highly for well, there's you there's only like 200 beatles songs so it would be like what like 180th or no something? i mean okay it wouldn't it it would be outside the top 100 i'm not saying it wouldn't be close okay but it wouldn't be in the top 100 um you know good song because it's still you know it's a beatles song so it's still good just doesn't rank that highly for me still enjoyable uh, number 48. 
Number 48 is Anytime at All off of Hard Day's Hard Night. Hard Day's Night. Um, this is, uh, so this wasn't on my list, and this goes up one slot because it gets 21 points from Sean's ranking. That's right. Uh, Sean, explain why this is in your top 50. So, you know, this is a great example of early Beatles songs that this one wasn't necessarily one of the big, big singles. So from A Hard Day's Night, you have A Hard Day's Night, Can't Buy Me Love, this is one of those lesser ones that people kind of forget about, but it's still popular. Like, everyone knows this song. It's kind of an afterthought. And I was going through, and I was listening to A Hard Day's Night again, and I was like, this song kind of rips. Yeah. It's kind of It's got a lot of energy to it. John's vocal performance is really, really good on it. Um, it's it's like a compact two minutes. They, they, they put a lot into it. Um, really, really catchy. It's just one of those songs that I feel like I can keep going back to where something like Can't Buy Me Love or even A Hard Day's Night, I get a little tired of. This one packs that energy and kind of that more emotional punch than some of those other ones do. So this is a really good early Beatles song to me. I have definitely also gotten tired of Can't Buy Me Love. I don't think that made the list for either of no. us. Um, for some reason of their early hits, that's one I'm tired of. But speaking of any time at all, I think I also really like this song... Um, it just didn't make my list because it doesn't hold any particular importance to me. But yeah. I really love a hard day's night as an album. It's, it's so, so good, and they're writing these really bright, hooky songs on that album. Yep. I also love that on any time at all, Paul only sings one part. He just goes any time at all. <laughs> That's all he sings the whole song. <laughs> right. John sings the rest of the entire song. I don't even think there's any harmonizing. Yeah, no, no. So, so a good song. So, speaking of A Hard Day's Night, coming in at number 47 is A Hard Day's Night. The chord heard around the world. That's right. So, I had this one ranked at actually number 49. There you it go. just made it into my top 50. It was a little bit higher for you. Yeah, for me, it was... Let's see. Sorry, I'm looking at two spreadsheets here, listeners. You can wait a second. It's uh, 32nd, I guess it would be. Yeah, uh -huh. 32nd. Um, so, yeah. I, I mean, we both have it on our list, so we can both speak to it a little bit, but... I, I mean, it's just such an iconic song. It I, is. I felt like of, of their early hits, there's a lot to like about this song. Obviously, that first chord is so recognizable. Mm -hmm. It's been like studied and broken down by music scholars through the years. They'll be like, Paul's playing an F note while John plays a D sus whatever and George plays this. So there's all... The, the people have analyzed that first chord over and over. But, I mean, I don't even really know what you can say about this song. It just, it's just one of their most catchy hits... Yep. It just goes without saying that A Hard Day's Night's a great song. So I think something that gets overlooked with A Hard Day's Night is that early Beatles, when they, they were really funny. They had a great yeah. sense of humor. And I think one of the things they did in particular with A Hard Day's Night was like these turns of phrase. Mm -hmm. You see it with Rubber Soul. You see it with Revolver. I think you see it here where, like, a hard day is night. Like, it's funny. It's a, it's a Ringoism. Yeah. It's one of those Malapropisms yeah. that he came up with. And I think, you know... People take that term for granted now. That's really funny, though. It is, and and there are other songs that were named like that because it what ha what happened is I think eight days a week actually isn't one. Tomorrow never knows is one where Ringo would say stuff. It's almost like Yogi Berra isms, right? Where like they don't really make sense, but you know what they mean. And this, you guess the story behind this one is someone asked them like, "Oh, how are you guys doing?" And he goes, "Well, you know, it's it's been a hard days." And he looked outside and saw it was night. And he went, "Uh, night." And yeah. it, like, so it sounded like a hard day's night, and so John and Paul got to work wrote yeah, a song about yeah. it because they thought it was a funny phrase. And also, the, the phrase "sleeping like a log" is in this phrase. In this exactly, song. it's funny. It should be sleeping like a log. Right. Yeah, and we've heard it so many times. We're like, oh yeah, sleeping like a log. It's like, it's, that's it's ridiculous. A silly lyric. Yeah, it's so it's silly. silly. 
What do we got next? 46, we have for no one um, uh, a Paul cut off of Revolver. So uh, this is on my list. This uh, came in, I guess it would be, what, 29th? Yeah. On my list. Um, the reason is, so on Revolver, I think you start to see even much, much more than Rubber Soul, the rift happening between John's style of songwriting and Paul's style of songwriting. So John on Revolver is writing songs that are more straight-ahead rock, a little more acidy, sort of distorted guitars, backwards guitars. Paul is starting to do what will become his calling card and is writing really classical-sounding, almost show-tune-type melodies right. in some places. For No One I love because I just think it has one of his all-time beautiful melodies, great chord progression, and it just is uh, it just classic Paul early on. Uh, Revolver era Paul doing his thing. This one did not make my list. Mm -hmm. However, it's interesting to note that this is the first of eight Revolver songs that make it onto our top 50. Wow. So There's only 14 on the album. That's right. So this, uh, uh, spoiler alert, Revolver is our favorite Beatles album, both of us. So yep. there's a lot of representation from this particular album. For No One is the first song on it. I will say that Revolver is probably... One of those albums where you, if you are more a casual listener, there's probably a lot of songs you don't necessarily know by name on this one. Don't you find that that usually tends to be the way with a band's best record? Yes. A lot of times, the the one with hits on it like will be the most popular yeah. on Spotify, but you have to do some digging to find what is consensus considered their quote-unquote right. best. That's right. Um, and yeah, so this is just the first entry on our list of uh, of a list that's rife with Beatles songs. Sean, why don't you tell right. them what's 45th? Number 45. We have our first representative from Past Masters. Yep. Uh, so a non-album cut a here. A single. We have The Ballad of John and Yoko. So this one also did not make it onto my top 50, but it was uh, one spot higher than For No One For You. It was. Uh, I love The Ballad John, of John and Yoko. Can't even say it. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I just think it's like a funny, fun song. Simple, uh, you know, progression. Simple little melody. Uh, and it's... I love the story of it as well because it's th in the studio. It's just John and Paul on this track. They're playing all the instruments. I think Paul plays drums and bass. John sings, plays like rhythm guitar. They play some lead together and they harmonize. It ends on that like sort of island riff. It just is like it feels like and this is late Beatles. This is late in their career, and I kind of like the idea that they could still get in the studio, just the two of them even, and make this song. This went to number one in the charts. This was this is on the That's, Beatles one. It is. That's so interesting to me. It's to me the greatest outlier on that album. It, yes, it absolutely is. What I really like about the Ballad of John and Yoko is that this feels just like a John Lennon solo song. This feels yeah. like something that could have ended up on. Plastic Ono Band or Imagine. It's like crippled inside or and, something. But Paul's coming in and he, you know, he's doing his Paul thing. He's kind of smoothing out the edges a little bit. Harmonizing. And I, I feel like that is what John needed sometimes. Because if you look at Plastic Ono Band, there, it's some heavy shit. You it know, is. Mother... You know, like there's there's some, I found out there yeah there, there's some grit on there there's some there's some angst there's some pain, and I think the genius of the of the two of them working together was Paul coming in and smoothing out those rough edges and vice versa. Yeah, that's the thing I was gonna say. There's something to that where John would would boost Paul's songs with a little bit of edge, and Paul would smooth out a little bit that's of right. John. It was a classic yin yang situation right. between them. Couple more notes. Love the bass line on this song. It's super catchy. I think it's like the most recognizable instrumental yep. factor in the song. Um, 
And I love the lyric, Christ, you know it ain't easy. You know how hard it can be. The way things are going, they're going to crucify me. Great. That's an awesome lyric. lyric. Great lyric. Now, I like this next entry in our list, Sean, because yes. we had it almost ranked the same, and that's we the did. first one where we're even close. That's right. That's so it right. got 12 points from you. It got 11 points from me. Yep. Why don't you tell them what it is? It's I'm looking through you, mm. and this is another revolver cut. So what is it? Rubber soul. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, rubber soul. Freudian slip. That's right. That's we got a lot of a lot not, of songs, a lot of albums coming. through Not here. what a Freudian slip is. No. Uh, so I'm looking through you from Rubber Soul. This is a great example of one of the not as popular tracks from Rubber Soul getting some love from us. Yeah, and it's again, it's sort of Paul. This is an early example of Paul doing his thing where he would kind of record a lot of a song himself. Mm. I guess it used to drive the other Beatles, especially John, crazy that he would do this. By the White Album, he was doing it all the time. He mm. recorded, like, I Will All Alone. There's a lot of songs like that. Um, but I'm looking through you, uh, super catchy verse. Um, and then that chorus when the guitar comes in and there's that little... Like, yes. it almost, it's like this clownish sort of carnival yeah. riff. Um, just... Like one of the catchier songs on, on Rubber Soul, I'd say. It is. It is. It, it's one that I've found. So for me, Rubber Soul becomes an album that I get a little bit tired of the mm-hmm. more I hear it. I'm Looking Through You, though, is one of the songs that I always look forward to and haven't really gotten tired of. And that's that's why it made it into my list. And that's why it's number 44. Number 43, however, is one that probably everybody knows. It's the Beatles' first uh, one of their first big hits. Mm-hmm. It's Please Please Me. This was number 26 on my list. This didn't make it onto yours. Yeah, another example of one like where now I'm looking at the list and I see it and I'm like, ah, I could have snuck that in somewhere. Yeah. But that's going to happen throughout the whole list. Yes, Fun fact is. about this, and, and you might know this, but this was John and Paul trying to emulate Roy Orbison. That's right. Yep. They were I, like... I've been watching Anthology, and they were talking about it. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. And they, so that's like where that come on, come on yeah. thing was from. Yep. So like they got that from him. I, I think this is just like a really well-written song. I think it actually rocks pretty hard for the album it, it's on. It does. For how early this song is, it's on their first full-length record, um, this song still holds up. We were listening to it in the kitchen the other day. I was like, hell yeah, please, please me. Yeah, that's great. At the end when they go, dun, tuka, tuka, dun, tuka, tuka, dun, yeah. tuka, tuka, and there's like the drum fills in there. It like it, it, it rocks it's pretty really hard. Good. Yeah. Love please please me. Yeah. Uh number 42, we have another rubber soul cut with Nowhere Man. Yep. Uh so made my list, didn't make yours. Um what what spot would that be? 25th? 25th? Yeah, 25 points, 25th spot. So Nowhere Man for me. Huge, huge harmonies to start the song. Love the way the band kicks in. Love the overall tone on this album. Um, on this song, rather. Uh, I just think it's one of the songs that defines that Rubber Soul sound. Yeah, oh, it 100% does. He, now, I love Nowhere Man. It didn't make it to my top 50. I Same love way it. I feel about Please Please Me. That's right. But this is a perfect example of one I've heard too much. Yeah. And I'm not as interested in it now as I would have been back when I was first getting into the Beatles. Love on this song, George Harrison's guitar solo, mm. where he hits that last little, that like sort yep. of harmonic note yep. that just resonates really nicely. And I don't know, it's just like a beautiful song. The story behind it's nice, where John was like awake at night and was feeling self conscious and sort of paranoid and started writing about himself being this nowhere man. It's a whole, it's kind of a, one of his first attempts at being biographical, but doing it in a right. roundabout way. Right. right. And writing about his sort of feelings of self loathing without That's admitting right. it was him. Yep. Also, great scene in the movie Yellow Submarine with Jeremy Hillary Boob. 
<laughs> this is Jake's giving you an example of of he's flexing his Beatles muscles right now. Well, and, and listen, Yellow Submarine's actually kind of a good movie. Uh, well, I'll have to check bad. it out at some point. It's not bad. Coming in at number forty one, and J- this is this will be a lot of people will be outraged at how low this is. Yeah. Hey Jude, coming in at number forty one. So in no small part because it got a medium ish mediocre rating from me. I think it's twenty fourth. No ranking from Sean. Didn't make my, didn't make my top 50. Um, so Hey Jude is one where I still love this song. Oh, yeah. I've heard it a million yeah. times. Um, it's The story behind it's great where McCartney wrote it for John Lennon's son, Julian, because he felt bad for him. Because John was probably slapping him around. Well, maybe. <laughs> and uh, when he, you know, he and his wife were getting divorced, and so Paul felt bad, he wrote this little song for him. And John, being kind of an egomaniac, actually always thought it was about him. Uh, but... Uh, another story I like about it is that that song, the movement you need, the lyric rather, the movement you need is on your shoulder. Paul wrote that as sort of a throwaway lyric. He didn't think it would stay in the song, and when he was playing it for John for the first time, he was like, "Don't, don't worry, like that lyric's coming out." And John was like, "No, don't. Like, it's it's a great lyric. Like, wow. Keep that in. Interesting. Classic story. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. So this is undoubtedly a great song. Yeah, it is one of those Beatles songs that has become a cliche at this point. I think. And when I think about Beatles songs I'm most interested in and want to listen to a lot of, Hey Jude just doesn't just doesn't do it for me as much anymore, which is too bad. Um, you know, it's on Past Masters. It was a number one single. Makes sense that I guess you could be tired of it because I feel like it's one of their most played songs. Yeah. But when I still when I hear the na 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 part at the end and like just how the instruments build and build and how climactic that is, I can still de- definitely get caught up. Yeah, in. so I still it's love that. It's interesting that this was a seven minute song and one of the only ones they was did. a was a number one single. It, yeah, another thing that they sort of I mean. I, don't know if there were any songs that long before this that were number one singles. I, I can't know. imagine. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, I think that's what the Beatles could do, though. They could yeah. just come in and be like, you know what? It's seven minutes. And Deal hey, with it. People are going to buy it. Maybe they open the door for bands like Zeppelin with Stairway to become such a huge hit, or even Pink Floyd, who, yep. who were pushing the boundaries of what you know a, a, a regular hit song could be. Yeah, so, they could well have. You know, really, really cool. Coming in at number 40... Is yesterday another classic? So Paul this one, song. this one made it onto both of our lists. Mm-hmm. Like Jake said, a Paul song. This is the penultimate song on Help. Should have been the ultimate song on Help. Needs to be the final song, though. Get see, I have said this so many times. Help would become a better album if they get rid of um, Act Naturally, ditch it, get rid of and it. And Dizzy Miss Lizzie. Move Dizzy Miss Lizzie to where Act Naturally falls in the track listing, uh, okay. and have Yesterday be the final song on it. It's, uh, it becomes a better album. I could see that. I kind of like Act Naturally. In some ways, I like listening to it better than Dizzy Miss Lizzie, which is sort of weird. I like. I mean, I, I don't want to get too off topic. I like Dizzy Miss Lizzie for what it is. It's like an old rock standard. Yeah, it's fine. But John Yesterday, everyone right. knows the story now, probably of Paul scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs. Um, you know. This song has been covered. What it's one of the most covered songs of all time. I think it's the most covered yeah, song of all time. Yeah. And the idea that he dreamt this melody is crazy. Yeah. And woke up and he's like, oh, I found the chords for it, and then I showed it to everybody. Interesting that this is a kind of a rock trope of kind of like dreaming it or waking up in the middle of the night and writing this. Keith Richards did it with uh, satisfaction. Yeah, the satisfaction riff. Yep. So. Really cool story behind it. Nice little ditty here by Paul. Uh, this is a song that 
I, I used to rank as one of my favorites from Help and probably as one of my favorite Beatles songs. But again, it's that you hear it too much and it and it falls a little bit, which is too bad. It's a classic example of exactly that. It's a song where you've heard it so many times, but I will say sometimes when I pop it on in just the right context and I can hear it for what it is, not as the thing I've heard a million times, but as a song someone wrote that is beautiful, it can really wash mm-hmm. over me. Mm-hmm. I mean, just one of the best melodies he ever wrote in a string of many. Yeah. Um, and it was the first one he ever recorded all alone, so set a standard for yeah. what would kind of keep coming up, yeah. where it's just him in a string section, happened again on Eleanor Rigby. Yeah. Spoiler alert, see yeah. that later on. That's right. Um, number 39 on the list, we've got a, another White Album entry. This is the second song on the first side of the album, Dear Prudence. Uh, this made my list, didn't make Sean's. My reason for it is um, it's one of my favorite John songs on the album. Mm-hmm. Love Paul's bass line on this song. It's so melodic. Yep. has that cool descending riff to it. I just think that um, the guitar flourishes they add in later in the song, the overall melody of it, John's voice on it. I really love everything about this song. Um, what are your thoughts on Dear Prudence? Uh, Dear Prudence, really good song. It again, It's never struck me as strongly as it has you. This You'll find this throughout the rest of this list where there's certain songs that really, really speak to you mm-hmm. and are some of your favorites that just don't do it for me. Where I, I'm looking ahead a little bit. There's a few just I see right now where I'm like, no, it's not. They just don't really do it for me. This is one of them. It's undoubtedly a very good song. Um, I'm throwing my hat in the ring as someone. If you, if you are one of these Beatles fans who... Just this song, you know, you don't see it as one of the upper echelon ones. I'm kind of there with you. I can, I totally understand why it would be high for others, though. So it's just kind of one of those polarizing songs for me. Still very, very good, though. Yeah, love that song. Number 38, we got Love You Too off Revolver. So it, this is uh, the opposite. This is you ranked really high. That's right, yeah. So this is our second Revolver cut here. This is a George Harrison song. So you start to see him really getting into that. Eastern influence, the Indian music sort of deal. He is doing the, um, I'm blanking on the name of the instrument Sitar. Now. Sitar. He's playing the sitar in this one. So it's interesting to see the progression that you had on Rubber Soul, where it was first introduced introduced with Norwegian Wood, and then it's being brought back again on Revolver, the next album with Love You Too. It's so much more intricate, and he's clearly gotten better at, at playing it, and, and the influence has a stronger effect on him here, um, I this just has a really cool feel to it, and for me, one of the reasons why I love Revolver is the feel of it. it there seems to be this consistency and tone to a lot of the guitars and sounds on it, especially on that first half. Um, and Love You Too falls right into that. It comes in right after I'm Only Sleeping, and it continues. So I'm Only Sleeping has sort of that droney yes. feel through it. And then it goes right into Love You Too, which has that Indian drone. It's a very natural progression, mm-hmm. I feel. And, I mean, I obviously love this song. With time, the George Indian influence songs have lost some of their luster for me. Me too. They've, me they've too. dipped a little. That's why it didn't make my list. Obviously, still love this song. It's on Revolver, which is my favorite album of yeah. all time. Yeah, this, this used to rank more. This used to rank higher for me yeah. than it does now. It, it went down a little bit. Um so I agree with with that take on on the Indian influence where I used to think it was cooler than I think it is now. Quick side note, it's called Love You Too, 2 spelled T-O rather than T-O-O. So 
interpret that how you will. Right. I don't know what that means, but I, I, I took me like years to notice that it wasn't love you, T-O-O. Yeah. It throws me off when I see it now because you would think it'd be T-O-O. So is he saying love you too? It's a play on words because the whole time he's saying I'll make love to you right. if you want me to, love you too, love you too. Like there's like, right. you can mix those words up a bunch of different ways. Number 37, Jake, might be a big, big surprise because this is one of only two cover songs mm. that we get on the entire top 50. This comes from With the Beatles. It is You Really Got a Hold on Me. Um, this one I ranked very, very high. I ranked, really high, I ranked yeah. this as, uh, as number 21 on my list, actually. This song just does it for me. The... The piano mm-hmm. chords that that intro this song, the emotional lyrics here. This is a dark song. It is, and it's a great, great cover. It's one of their early, just amazing covers where uh, John. Well, it, it's sort of more of a harmony, I guess, in the vocal. But I think John takes the lead. Mm-hmm. He just crushes those early cover vocal performances so, so well, and the whole band really plays well on this song. And a side note is I recently rewatched the Let It Be movie, and that movie's hard to watch because they're all sort of like sad, and it seems like they don't want to be together mm. making this album in a in a film studio. But there's a scene where they're back at the old Abbey Road studios, and they're kind of struggling through some songs, and they go back to the well with this. One of them just starts playing the riff on the piano, and they all seem to kind of brighten up and start playing. It must have reminded them of playing covers in their early days. Yeah, um, I love this song too. I mean, it's a, it's a great cover. It Didn't is. make my list. I, I don't really have a. I don't have a good reason. The thing why. Is, it's a cover song. I mean, it's hard. It, this is a purely emotional connection song for me. As I've gotten a little bit older, and as I've gone back, this has been a song that's always stuck out to me, and that I always really, really enjoy. So this is kind of purely an emotional connection song for me, and that's why it ranks so high. Yeah, that makes total sense. I think that that's how our list has been, anyways. It, yeah, it has. And that's how it, it should continue to be. Coming in at number thirty-six is You've Got to Hide Your Love Away off of Help. Mm. Uh, this is a John song. Uh, now, Help is an album... I I rank Help pretty high in, in terms of my overall Beatles discography. We actually ended up having one, two, three, four... We had five songs from Help in our top 50. We've already This is our third one that we're talking about, or second one. How many did you say there were total? Five? Five total, yeah. It was actually our second one we're talking about. Um, and... You know, this one is it's it's a little more folky. It's got that acoustic guitar. There's some elements on help that that draw on that. I've just seen a face is another one. Um, I really like this version of the Beatles where they're getting a little more folky acoustic. The, yeah, this is like John entering his Bob Dylan phase, right. where he was sort of taking inspiration from Dylan by getting a little more creative with lyrics, playing a little more emphasis on acoustic guitar. Um, yeah, I mean, I ranked this significantly lower on my list than on yours, but it's on my list, and um, I, this song is is awesome. I mean, I, it, it great, instantly recognizable chorus. This this was one of the first ones that when I was really getting into the Beatles in high school, where this wasn't one you heard on the radio. Yeah, where I was like, wow, this is a Beatles song, yeah. and it really took a hold. And uh, struck really got me. a hold on you exactly for how unique it was in terms of what I had come to expect from the Beatles, mm-hmm. uh, and this one was a little bit different, and I, and I really liked that about it's it. It's a great example of a song that is not even you could argue it's not even like the fourth best song on the album, right? 
and yet here it is on a on a top list. I mean, it's just like of our whole list so far, this top fifty, no song is a miss. They're no. all amazing no. songs. Like that's how deep their catalog that's was. Right. That's right. Number thirty five, we move on to Lady Madonna, a single, a big hit, a number one hit. This made it onto my list. I think it was twenty first mm-hmm. on my ranking, not on Sean's. Um, so I love Lady Madonna just because I think it's a fucking banger. I think I lo- I just love this song. I love the piano riff, how just like loud and and sort of boisterous that that piano riff is to start it. Love the sort of like put on voice. Paul's mm-hmm. doing that. Like, mm-hmm. He's doing like a Showtime mm-hmm. voice thing. The the like the see how they run part is really catchy. I think I've just always loved this song. Can I be honest for a second? You yeah, go ahead. Trust Tree. Yeah, Trust Tree. I'm I'm low on Lady Madonna. Really? I don't necessarily like the voice Paul's putting on. Oh. I don't necessarily like the see how they run part. The the like piano riff guitar part is really really cool. I I don't love this song. Oh. I, something about it has never done it for me. It's I don't know. That's I, I'm very low on Lady Madonna. Did like I said or like you said, didn't make it onto my top fifty. Can appreciate it. But I'm I'm lower on Lady Madonna than most. Hey, trust tree. It's all it's all in it's all in uh, in good fun here, mm-hmm. Sean. Mm-hmm. And am I rattled a little bit? Am I hurt? The rattle your cage? Uh, no. Rattle the cage. It Wet the beak. Doesn't ultimately matter. Okay. I'll I'll never stop loving that song. Number thirty four, Norwegian Wood. This bird has flown. The, again, I referenced this a little bit earlier when we were talking about Love You Too. This was one of the first, the first use of the sitar by George. It's again, it's funny to see how far he went with it compared to what he's doing here. Uh, but this is a John song overall. Yeah. Nice, interesting little story about just like going to this this girl's house, and it's uh, like in in the things that happen there. It, I feel like this was a maturation of lyrics, especially from John and in what the Beatles were used to talking about. Um, Really, really cool song. Again, this is more of that kind of folky uh, John. Yeah, um, one of the best songs on Rubber Soul, I think anyone would say. Um, and yeah, like you said, big lyrical jump. It seems like a more mature song. I think if you were alive in 1965, you probably were wondering, like, where did this sort of side of them come from? Mm-hmm. The sitar, is, it was a big thing then. It The, the novelty of it being on the song has, it, again... It's lessened for me over yeah. time. I but what holds up for this song is I think it's a legitimately great song right. in terms of all the other elements of songwriting. Also, the lyric at the end, "So I lit a fire, isn't it good?" Norwegian wood. Some people speculate he burned this girl's house down. Right. Uh, I don't know about that. Right. That, I mean, that's kind of what it implies, right? Or that he like just lit a fire and took off. Yeah. That's like maybe yeah. he's like, all right, I'll leave this fire and then I'm I'm out of here in the night. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Very one of those like very interesting sort of ethereal yes. uh, uh, songs. Yep. Number 33 on our list, an Abbey Road cut, fourth song off Abbey Road. Um, this one is on both of our lists. We don't need yes, a trust tree for this one. No, we do not. Because it's Oh Darling. Oh Darling. So this is our first Abbey Road song, which we have five of Ooh. in our top 50. Yep. Uh, great, great Paul song. Just a great Paul song. It, this is so... This is such. This is just classic Paul. I don't know what else you can say about it, but this is classic Paul. It is, it, and except that he's singing that vocal performance in though. this in just That's a right. ragged. Yep. I guess he like practiced forever on this because like, of course he did because 
it's funny because I, I feel like it, John is the antithesis where he's like, I'm just going to let it rip. Yeah. And Paul's like, I'm going to practice to have this kind of raw, intense sounding voice. Because he, scre- he had to scream it out. He had less of a raw voice naturally. Right. I guess the story goes that John was always kind of hurt. Paul didn't ask him to sing this. Which is weird because this late in their career, they kind of sang their own songs. So I don't really know what the Can fuck you imagine how Paul or how John would have killed this song? He would have crushed it. Oh yeah, he would have killed. He would have arguably done better than Paul. Yeah. Although I would say that you can really find no flaws in the way Paul sings. Oh, but darling. I think that's the point: is that you can't find any flaws with John. There probably it would be it would it would be less perfect. Uh, maybe I I I, uh, I can see that for sure. And I think John would have done just as good a job. Um, and this is actually unlike a lot of Paul's songs. This is written like in a traditional sort of almost blues way. Yeah. The song is sort of like an old standard blues progression it seems. It's actually very similar to that song that the Eagles did, the Please Come Home for Christmas song. Oh yeah. Bells will be ringing. That That's song. Right. That's it has like right. the same melody, same chord progression. Yep. Um yeah, Love Oh Darling. It's just one of the many awesome songs on Abbey Road. Number 32, um we have uh, a big one off of Rubber Soul for me. You won't see me. Yeah. Uh, so this is another Paul melody, another Paul song, another example of him just writing something so catchy in my mind. Um, I've just always loved the melody and the chorus on this, yeah. the way John comes in in the chorus and does the no, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't part over Paul's voice and all mm-hmm. that. Um, always love this song. This one didn't make it onto my top 50, but it was close. So You Won't See Me is another one of those rubber soul songs that... I don't think a lot of people talk about it's not considered one of the big hits from it mm-hmm. but over time has just been one that I keep going back to and, and enjoy more than some of the other ones so I, I can totally see why it ranks so highly for you again this might be one that a lot of people maybe don't know or don't know off the top of their head well, or by a, name it's a classic example of the the depth on albums right. it's just like th- this song sneaks up on you if you're not even expecting it going in I remember when I first listened to Rubber Soul I had literally never heard this song yeah it's exactly one of my I, had, I had neither the antithesis of that coming in at number 31 oh yeah is in my life so this is another Rubber Soul song you could argue that this is maybe one of the biggest from Rubber Soul yeah one um, of the most widely recognized yeah least. exactly this came in at number 43 Three for me. This came in at number uh, twenty-two for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, another example of both of us having this on our list. Both of us really enjoying it. In my life, it's just one of the. It's just a great song, and it's one of the examples of John flexing his melodic muscles a little bit. Um, where I think, especially after a Revolver and Rubber Soul, past that point, he kind of would stick to the more bare-bones songs. He wrote some like Julia, he wrote some where he was more melodic, but I feel like past this era, this 65, 66 era, John strayed away a little bit from from doing the, the pure melody thing. In My Life is, is a great pure melody. Question for you. Yeah. Is In My Life the Green Day Good Riddance Time of Your Life of its time? Where, like, if you're doing, like, a yearbook kind of thing, in my life is, like... There are places I remember. Right. All my life. Yeah. yeah. All like, my life. You're good. <laughs> An- a little Anakin for all, you. Yep. All my life. <laughs> Yippee! A little Anakin reference. I mean, yeah, In My Life is a great song. I love that George Martin played that piano solo and they sped it up mm. to fit the song. A little cheating, if you ask me. Yeah. Shock right. Chuck wouldn't like that. No, no, no. Shock Chuck likes to just do things by the book. He like. <laughs> Except, like, become an alcoholic and get a Dewey. Um, but also, uh, 
he likes shredders. He likes people who can That's, play technically oh, yeah, he well. Like, he likes Eddie Van Halen. And you know he would take umbrage with these, like, well, the Beatles didn't even, uh, you know, they didn't even play that piano part. <laughs> it's like shock jock. How did you even know that? You should hear the guy in Dream Theater play drums. It's like, you right, guys man. ever listen to Buckethead? It's like, dude, get off our Beatles podcast. You're not wanted here. <laughs> you have no place here. Well, they're pretty soft anyway, so I'm out of here. <laughs> All right, see you, man. Um, number 30, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, another uh, White Album cut. Yeah, so this is a George Harrison song. Uh, George starting to really assert himself as a strong, strong songwriter here. Eric Clapton playing guitar on this song. That's right. Fun fact, people forget that. So, While My Guitar Gently Weeps was one of those songs that I'd always heard the name of Mm -hmm. before hearing the White Album, had never actually heard it or had known that I heard it. And when you're 15, 16 years old and there's a song called While My Guitar Gently Weeps, you're just more inclined to like it because it's a cool name for a song. It just has guitar in it. And and there's cool little solos and licks throughout it. That did a lot for me as a kid. I've just continued to love it and still, you know, I I still do. It ranked really highly for me. This was actually a top 15 song for me. I think came in at 13. Didn't Um, make my list, and I have to, I have to rest under the shade of the trust tree on this one, Sean. Yeah, I've seen this coming for a while. Yeah. I obviously it's an amazing song. I'm just so tired of this song. I know. I don't know why. It's fine. I I really don't know why. I. I just am never that interested in listening to While My Guitar Gently Weeps anymore. This is an example where, like, I know I'm objectively wrong, though. This song is amazing. And I just, like, for some reason, it just, to quote Fanagram, doesn't get me high anymore. <laughs> it just doesn't anymore. I don't know what it is. No, that's fine. You know how you can kind of feel it when you're, like, you just know someone isn't as into it as you... As another song. Oh, they, yeah. they're just, but they don't really let on. That's how I've always felt with this song about you. I can really? just always kind of tell. Ooh. I can always kind of tell. The midichlorian count. That's... <laughs> Yippee! <laughs> Number 29. Frank Ocean loved this song off Revolver, Sean. This is... <laughs> <laughs> this is here, there, and everywhere. Um, I feel like I keep saying it. Just an absolutely gorgeous Paul Melody. This is one example of a song where a quote I've always liked about it, I think I'm getting it right, is um, John said that that's the type of song Paul can write, he could never write, and he was jealous of him yeah. for like this type of songwriting. Um, this one's grown on me a lot. This used to be pretty low for me on Revolver. Yeah. It's kind of climbed the ranks pretty well over the last few years. I think... The subtle beauty of here, there, and everywhere has really like done it for me. Yeah, this is uh, like you said, another example of a revolver track. This list is packed with them, and again, it's just that album, top to bottom, is so good. Here, there, and everywhere is is an example of one. It didn't make my top fifty. I can easily see it why it would be in yours, why it would be in other people's. It is a beautiful song, beautiful Paul melody. Um, you know. There's so many different ones you could choose from. It's kind of, it's like an, it's one of those interchangeable like pick your favorite beautiful Paul song. And he kind of sings it in a way that he doesn't usually say. He sings like in this sort of falsetto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is really interesting. I want her everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And he's doing the like um, yeah. That whole song is really interesting. Uh, great tune. We'll jump to number twenty eight. I ran out of things to say. Number 28 is Eight Days a Week. Now, this is from Beatles for Sale, a fascinating 
snapshot of yeah. the of the Beatles' career. And their objectively worst album. Their worst album. Yeah. The, it is. the front it's pretty front loaded. It's it very is. strong. There's two songs I really like on the last half. Yeah, other good. than that, it does get a little bit weak. Eight Days a Week, in my opinion, is the crowning achievement of it. It actually ranked very highly. It was again in my top fifteen. This one was at number eleven or twelve. Uh this one as great of a just individual single and song as it is. Um, this one has a stronger emotional connection for me. This was one of the first ones that I was able to really get into the Beatles with and be like, oh, I actually I really like the Beatles. And this was one of the songs. Why? I heard it on Scrubs, the oh, TV really? show. They had they have an acapella band in Scrubs. Ted, the lawyer, is actually a part of. And uh, they did an acapella version of Eight Days a Week. It sounded amazing. And I was like, wait a minute. Oh, that's the Beatles. And that was like right as I was getting into all of these songs. So that really hooked me. It has remained as a strong emotional connection for me. Uh, that's why it ranks so highly for me. Quick comments from me. Didn't make my list. Obviously, it's catchy as hell. I really like the song. For some reason, for years, it was just never one of their early songs that really did anything for me. But I will say... It had a strong enough resurgence to like almost be considered for this ranking. Yeah. Um, for me, it just didn't quite get there. Yeah. I, I still really like it. Um, moving into number 27. Now here, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. Talk about a song that couldn't be much more different than yeah. the, the one that came before it on the list. So we just had Eight Days a Week. Number 27 is Across the Universe. And it's interesting to note that Eight Days a Week didn't make it onto your list. Across the Universe didn't make it onto mine. Both of these were number 11 on both of our respective lists. And, and that's why they're here mathematically. That is right. Actually tied that's right. in the ranking. That's right. So they're actually tied. Um, so for me, Across the Universe, uh, I love whenever John gets a little soft later on. And I think that this, I love the guitar lick this song's based around, that little riff. I think the melody's beautiful. Um I just love the way it's produced. I think it's just this diamond in the rough of a really weird period in the Beatles' career where they were playing more straight-ahead rock. They didn't really know what they were going to be. This is from the Let It Be Get Back sessions. Mm. I feel like it's the most beautiful song straight up in terms of just like being a pretty song to mm -hmm. come from that era, and mm -hmm. I've always loved it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, a lot of people will know it as the name of that movie, Across the Universe. Did that you see that movie? I have not seen it. It was, it was good. People, I feel like... Other people are way higher on it than you because whenever it gets brought up, it seems like you're a little, um, a little lower on it than than other more casual fans. I remember uh, when it came out; it was very popular. It was huge. I feel like it's just I feel like as a Beatles purist, it's you're like it may be part that I don't know. They do a great job with the songs. They yeah. do really good renditions of the songs. I just felt like as a movie, it kind of fell flat. What, like, is it? It's like a musical. I don't know. It's like a love story. I barely remember it. I saw it like five years ago. Okay. okay. Um, it, it's okay. Interesting. Ooh, Sean. I like number this, 26. Number 26, I think, as crazy as our top 10 gets, this might be the most shocking placement on this entire list. Number 26, it's, an, it's our second of two covers. It's from With the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Please, Mr. Postman. <laughs> I love this song. They absolutely kill it on this. They do. I, I, I don't even know what to say. It came in at number uh, 20 for me overall. 20 out of 50. Number came, 40 for me. Came in at 40 for you. What What are your thoughts? 
Uh, Please Mr. Postman is just another example of an amazing... It's It shows how tight they were as a band early and how good they were at playing covers, which they had to do for a lot of their early career. And so by With the Beatles, they're still really good at this, and they had songs that they liked to play that they were influenced by others. And that's the other thing I love about it, is that this was, I think, originally sung by like a th- all-female Motown band, yeah. wasn't it? Was it like the... Something it's not the Ronettes, but it's, it's one of those it's types like someone of like them. And I always love that the Beatles, a big part of their story is that they would give a nod to the musicians that influenced them, the especially the black blues and soul singers that they loved. And so I think by doing a great homage to um, that music with this cover, uh, it's great. And I just think that the, the the vocals on it are amazing. They play it really tight. I just have always loved this cover. Uh, not the Ronettes, Jake, but the Marvelettes. Oh, the Mar- <laughs> I feel like that was a big trope, was just putting ets at the end of things. A little sexist. Yeah, a little bit. Not a, not a huge deal, I guess. Uh, but. You know, I think I think we have more awareness about that now, so maybe... They, 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 today they'd just be the Marvels. That's right. You know, That's no, right. no need to... We are into our top 25, Jake. We are. This is exciting territory. Uh, at number 25, we have Get Back. Mm. So this one ranked highly for me. Uh, it was at number 21 for me. Um, so this is... Actually, it was at number 31. Sorry. 31. Uh, Get Back. This is a Let It Be song. This is, again, Beatles going full rock and roll mode. Yeah, and so this would have been, for me, as recently as like two years ago or even a year ago, would have been a Trust Tree song. I would have had to yeah. sit you down. I would have had to be like, listen, I don't like it that, back that much. That, I, I, I'm the same way. This has been a, when I've gotten back into the Beatles recently, this has been a resurgent song where I'm like, wait a minute, Get Back is awesome. Yeah, and I never, something about it, I think it's the fact that it is kind of an outlier in terms of its sound and how the Beatles usually sound. It just has this weird sort of like country rock feel. Mm. It never, just as a kid or as like a teenager, Growing up as a Beatles fan, it never jived with me. I never got it. I never understood why it was such a hit. For some reason, now I do. I yeah. love the song. I love the riffs. I love the way Paul sings it. I love John's leads on it. Um, and I just love that it's the Beatles playing as a band. Yes. They played this on the yes. rooftop. The rooftop concert's huge for me now. Me too. Me too. I had no appreciation for it before. The context of everything happening with the band at the time. Yeah. Seeing all of them up there just playing again and looking like they're having fun is really important for me. And seeing them play this song, also very important. After the grueling, uh, then called Get It Back, Get Back Sessions, which they, it was just a terrible, for Let It Be the movie, just a grueling uh, couple of months where they did this experiment where they filmed them trying to make an album in basically a film studio. And then they just said, all right, let, fuck it. Let's just like play these songs on the roof and mm-hmm. call it. And then we'll move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Abbey Road, they started recording recently, uh, shortly after. Mm. Uh, so yeah, this song's grown on me big time. Another from that same uh, album comes in at the, uh, the next entry in our list at 24. It's Two of Us. Two of Us, yeah. This one ranked highly for me. It was number 23 on my list. Um, this is one that... It makes me a little sad. makes me a little sad because, you know, two of us... I always kind of read this as as a Paul and John kind of owed to each other almost. Where it's like two of us. You know, we, you know, we used to, you know, be so tight and now look at us. Spending it's, someone's hard-earned pay. Yeah, it makes me kind of sad. And they harmonize on this. They yeah. sing it really simply. It's kind of an interesting song because 
neither of them really goes for it vocally on it. You know what I mean? Like it's sort but of just, I, I think it's to its credit. Yeah, I think it is too. They it's a pretty relaxed song. Big shout out to friend of the pod, Mary Kate, whose favorite Beatles song is Two of Us. Mm-hmm. Um for, for me it came in thirty fifth on my list. Uh oh, so mine's higher. Interesting. Yeah, ranked oh, higher me, for me. Mary Kate and I kind of uh really get this song. Yeah, you guys should have a meeting. It seems um, like you don't, so Oh. I mean I love it huh. and hmm. all of the Beatles hmm. songs. Hmm. Okay. Weird. That might be a conspiracy. Yeah, weird. Love that song. Number 23. (laughs) This one's only on my list. Martha, my dear. Um, Martha, my dear. So this is on my favorite stretch of the entire White Album. Um, It comes right after Happiness is a Warm Gun, right before Blackbird, I think. It's right in that stretch of just like killer songs in a row. Um, I'm so tired, sprinkled in there. I think I'm so tired is after Martha, my dear. Uh, it, just an amazing run, and this is to me the epitome of what Paul is about. To to probably excess, and to probably a point that would annoy some people, but it's written like a show tune. The piano on it is incredible. He mm. like taught himself how to play piano, and he can really play. And there's just like these like strings in it. Mm-hmm. There's these jazzy guitar guitars going on. Yeah. Uh, the song's about his dog. It's just classic play. It's so silly. Martha, I like that as a dog name. Martha. Martha, yeah. It's a good. That's dog what it's name. all about. That's why he's saying like, "Hold your head up, you silly girl." It's about his dog. Oh, okay, okay. It's just interesting. Uh, so this one did not make it onto mine. However, hearing you talk about it and seeing how much you like it has boosted it for me personally. Ooh, didn't expect that. I thought I felt the trust tree coming. No, 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 no. I'm all in on Martha, my dear, oh. even though it didn't make my list. If there's one, if there's a dark horse that, like, I could go back and put in, it'd probably be Martha, my dear. This song's awesome. It's so beautiful. Also, if, if I'm, am I recalling correctly that one time we were at the Foley household and you were playing this or someone was trying to play this on piano no the um so the foley sisters big friends of the pod big friend of the pod they were showing me how to play let it be on piano and i was like can you learn martha my dear and show me how to play it like i'd never be able to learn how to play (laughs) it it's like ragtime piano it's like pretty hard i remember heather i was trying to show her i was showing her the song she's like "Ooh, that sounds complicated just speaks to Paul's musicianship. Yeah. The fact that he could like learn piano and play this is crazy. Unreal. And write it. Yeah. But it, yeah. Some people are born with so much talent. Not like us, Sean. <laughs> We're here just trying to scrape just, by with this. Just a couple pod boys. Just a couple pod guys trying to get by how pod guys get by. Coming in at number 22 is my favorite song from the album Help. And this is a John song. Paul. Paul's. It's all right. Hey, 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 hey. Trust tree. We're under the trust tree. I've just seen a face. Uh, this song gets me. It, it it tugs at the emotional heartstrings for me. Um, this is one of those songs that just every time I hear it, um, just just does it for me in ter- in terms of lyrics, in terms of the emotion in it. Uh, nice fi- finger pick guitars in yeah. here. It, oh yeah, yeah, really really nice. Again, this goes back to kind of. What I I look at this going hand in hand with uh, you've got to hide your love away mm-hmm. and this one it's kind of the John Paul folky along with yesterday too mm-hmm. like kind of collection of acoustic songs on help that I really really like has sort of a jaunty sort of twangy feel to yeah. it and I love the like the guitar leads on it really fast song mm, yeah with not a lot in terms of percussion or bass or anything it's mostly acoustic guitars. Um, this didn't make it on my list, but it's an example of it's like you said with Martha, my dear. It's like you know what you can talk me into this. Sure, yeah. Give of me course. the like, give me the right context and 
the right time of my life, yeah. like in a month, maybe this makes yeah. my list. This actually came in at number six overall for me. That's pretty high. And really, that, really you know high. What? I, or seven. seven. I'm proud of it. All the Beatles songs, like it, it makes me happy to see them ranked anywhere on <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. like they're my kids or something. <laughs> yeah. Number 21 is a song that should surprise no one. For, uh, for no one. Yeah, no, it's right. not. Same album. That's right. And same songwriter. That's right. We got another Paul song here from Revolver. Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor Rigby is the song. How about the strings in this song, Jake? <laughs> that, that goes back to like the kind of announcer who was announcing uh, uh, Here, There, and Everywhere. Frank Ocean liked this song from Revolver. <laughs> How about the strings on Eleanor Rigby? Um, but, uh, oh, I know. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's actually like the um, sort of descendant of yesterday in that it's just Paul on it mm. with strings on it and his I don't even he didn't even play guitar on this one this is just strings mm-hmm. um this is an all-time beautiful Beatles song and it's so yeah. dark it's I was going to say one of the things I really like about it is the dark lyrics on it with this uh, this Eleanor Rigby character Father McKenzie like, this is this is uh, this is a little spooky. It's good for October. Yeah, it can give you the willies in the right yeah. uh, context. So I really, Who's this Father McKenzie guy? What's he up to? I have Jake? a really funny story about this song. So we had Beatles one as a kid in my family. Like we had it in the car, and so we were driving around. And I remember my little brother. He told me later on. He was like, I always thought. That lyric at the end, when it says Father McKenzie wiping the dirt from his hands as he walks from a, the grave, he always pictured him as a zombie. <laughs> as, like, this zombie priest. <laughs> I always thought that was so funny to me. Like, uh, but the, in truth, he just buried Eleanor Rigby. The, the, really sad song. It is. The way that Paul says grave... Grave. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's it's a little creepy. Yeah, gives, gives you the, the the chilly willies. Yeah, um, and it's it, what a stretch of songs. So if you're listening to Revolver for the first time, put this in context. You go from Taxman, which is that abrasive like Hendrix chord riff mm-hmm. with George singing mm-hmm. the first song on a Beatles album. Then you pop into Eleanor Rigby, which is just Paul with these dark strings singing about. God knows who, right. with these like dark lyrics about just like normal people in Liverpool. Weird, yeah. weird how song. About, how about the start of Revolver? Neither song is a love song. Yeah, that that's insane. And you know what? I'm people shit all over Paul. There, there's a whole strong contingent. Robert Christgau is an example, like the dean of rock critics. That dude yeah. pisses me off. Yeah. He like hates Paul. He he's always he's just all in on the John camp and thinks Paul was like he just wrote trite, uh, like just overly happy, overly sentimental, sappy pap, basically. Yeah. Eleanor Rigby is an example of a song with really compelling lyrics and a like a really cool story to it. Yeah. And I just I you know I I think that people who who don't respect Paul's songwriting should just take a look at a song like this. Yeah. Especially I, I, as a lyricist. One hundred percent agree. One hundred percent agree. Coming in at number 20 is another Revolver song. This is my favorite Beatles song of all time, And Your Bird Can Sing. A John song, the guitar tones on this song are so nice. The riffs. The riff, the part at the... So this is only a two-minute song. It's a very brief song. When they come back in on the final melody of... um, and you, ha- uh, what is it? It's- and your bird can swing or whatever. That no, part. it's the you and you me. got everything you want. Yeah, it, it like uh, or tell tell me what it, uh, whatever the last like melody is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It is. It gets me every single time, no matter how many times I've heard the song, which is hundreds. 
So this song didn't make my list, and it's not a trust tree song. Don't worry, I don't dislike it. I love everything on Revolver. It's, oh, sorry. It's tell me that you got everything you want, oh. and your bird can swing. And your bird can swing. They do yeah. that like harmony. Yeah, over the it. harmony is amazing. This song is, uh, yeah, it's it's beautiful, and I've always been astounded by the speed of those riffs. Yeah, the like the the guitar riff in this and the do 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 Involved, yeah. It's so, and it's also such a long riff. Um, yeah, it's a truly weird song. Uh, and yeah, it's it, it's it goes to the what's great about Revolver and especially uh, John era Revolver, where it's just so guitar driven, so distortion based. That, yeah, that, and the like, harmonies on it, the harmonies, especially in that last that last little lyric, and then the gritty guitar. I love it. It takes the best of like Taxman, She Said, She Said, and those other like grittier revolver songs, and that's my favorite one of all of them. It's my favorite Beatles song coming in at number twenty. And it you know, it's another example of maybe could have been higher on my list, maybe mm-hmm. could have been on my list, and I might be second guessing the fact that it's not. Uh but I regret nothing. <laughs> you can't you can't no no regrets with the with this list. We can't live with regret. Coming in at number nineteen I have a strong suspicion that this song would have been lower for both of us and lower on the list had we not just seen it performed on the big screen That's right. on the rooftop concert. Uh, this is I've Got a Feeling. I've Got a Feeling. <laughs> <laughs> this song is awesome. This song, uh, this is great, great John, Paul working together. Yeah. Both of them with their own versions or their own pieces of this song. To your, to your point... We saw it. It was. It ended the eight days a week uh, touring years documentary that we both just saw. Uh, had a new appreciation for this, much like Get Back, where it probably wouldn't have ranked as high. What is your favorite bit of this song? Is it Paul's "I've Got a Feeling" part, or is it John's "Everyone Had a Hard Year" part? So Good year. We. I think this is both. Both. Yeah. Uh, so we. I think talked about this last episode or two episodes ago. Yeah. For me, it's it's John's by a hair. But it's not as good without Paul, so that's the no. thing. And that's you the need classic, the yin to the yang. That's the yep, classic yep, exactly. Beatles thing. And you need the sweet to the sour. It, the honey right. to your vinegar. Exactly. Vic vinegar, you that's honey. Like, that's right. Uh, so it's the John bit by a little bit, but my favorite part of the whole song is when Paul's singing, I've got a feeling, and John's going, everybody had a good together. Yes. Oh. And it's like all going over that awesome riff. And then there's the, the distorted sort of like... Uh, dissonant chord that comes in after it, and yep. they do that that little riff and going yeah. back around. Oh, I got a feeling. Yeah, yeah, This song's cool. This We're came not... in at number ten overall for me. This that song right there. Our discussion of it was the least eloquent of it. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was we just, just like that was all riffs. passion. That was all passion. That was all feeling. That's how much we liked that song. And then, you know what? You get what you get. At this point, we've been talking Beatles songs for a fucking hour and a half, and we have more to go. All right. So at this point, you're going to get a lot less coherent. It's so going to be a lot more passion. <laughs> so if you're in it. At this point, you're, you're in for the long haul. You're in yeah, for the long yeah. haul, and you're going to get a lot more just pure passion out of us. Here's here's another one for you, Jake. Coming in at number 18, we got Ooh. The Night Before, another one from Help. So this song is one that I had never heard before until I had listened to Help all the way through, and I was shocked at how much I liked this song. I remember I was a sophomore in high school. I remember listening to it. I texted you. I was like, oh, I started listening to Help. You're like, what did you think of The Night Before? I was like, it was awesome. Like I really liked it. Ever since then, I've been hooked on this song. I love it. It's a perfect example that I think kind of embodies our whole list of a song that 
Um, doesn't get maybe the credit that we think it deserves, but ranks highly on our list. Yeah, this um, this came in pretty high for me. What would it be, 19th? If yeah. I get, if it got 31 points? Yep. So that's pretty high. Uh, it, it's similar. I, I equate it a little bit to You Won't See Me off Rubber Soul, where it's just a, it's a great, uh, catchy Paul song from early in the album. Uh, it's just, it's one of my favorite songs from that era by the Beatles. That's, I mean, that really is all you need to say. Also, I always love the fact that this is a song that um, John always said he loved of Paul's. Yeah. I feel like with John and Paul, here's, and I'll explain why I'm saying so much about that kind of shit. The reason is, John and Paul, like, I feel like they fought so much post-Beatles and, like, hated each other so much that when they say something nice about each other, it's like when you hear a divorced parent saying, you know, you know what, your father was always good at that thing. Or your, your dad's like, you know, I always loved this about your mom. Yeah, It's like, yeah. it's nice to hear them. They had nice things to say after all. Whenever, yeah, whenever this gets brought up, though, and whenever I hear you referencing, oh, John said this about a Paul song, I almost look at it, I'm like, how is he being backhanded here? How is he being like, you know, it was good for... You know, if you like writing trite pop songs. Well, the thing is, is he was he'd be pretty brutally honest with it. So like, there were ones where he just straight up said he liked them. Yeah. He like said he liked Paul as a bass player, and there were certain Paul songs he was like, he would just say they're beautiful. Like he, that's his baby. Like he, I, he loved, I love that song or whatever. Like I, whatever he would say. Yeah. But there were some where he hated them. Like, uh, and he was he spoke pretty caustically about some Beatles songs post Beatles. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, he he didn't hold back. Number 17 on the list. Yeah, this is my second favorite Beatles song of all time. Another wild pick. It's oh, only two wow. minutes long. I didn't even realize that. It's from the White Album. This is another John song. It's I'm So Tired. That's an interesting pick. I love that song, too. Yep. Um, so like I said, really, really short. It's like two minutes long. It's just about John. It's, it's, it's the narration of someone who can't sleep, you know, thinking about someone or something. And I think everyone can kind of relate to it. Um, it starts off kind of sleepy feeling with his, I'm so tired. Yeah, it does. And then it goes into a really passionate vocal performance at the end. The where he's like, I'm going insane. But I know that yeah, was what yeah. you would do. Yeah. That thing, it's, it's awesome. He really rips into that scream. He packs so much into just two minutes here. Um, this a lot is, of John songs about sleep. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not so many, but a few. A few, a few. I, this, to me much like Andrew Bird can sing is an example of two songs where I can listen to them forever and ever and not get sick of them and enjoy them every single time. Um, and that's really why they're, they're my two favorites. This made it onto my list as well. It's in that string of amazing, uh, that amazing white album run. Yeah. I think this comes in right after Martha, my dear. Yeah. Uh, just one of my favorite stretches of songs on any Beatles album. I, I've always loved, I'm so tired. Didn't rank as high, but it just, I mean, it's not my second favorite Beatles song, but it, it's, you know, it'll always be in my list. I think it'll always rank relatively high. Mm -hmm. Number 16 on the list, Sean, what is that? This is an Abbey Road cut. This is a John song, and this is a kind of the uh, the partner to the song that kicked off our list, Your Blues. Mm. It is I Want You, parentheses, She's So Heavy. Now, this one we were like spot on yeah, in our rankings this here. Really this was close. 17th and 18th, respectively, for us. Um, this is another seven-minute Beatles song. This is that gritty, bluesy John rocker that I really have come to love about late era Beatles. So a couple things about this song. One, I love the bluesy feel. 
Two, I love the lead guitar playing in that middle section where they kind of go to a faster rhythm. Mm. Three, I love that droney riff that they do all the way throughout throughout the whole end of the song for like two oh, full minutes. Yeah. And then it eventually just cuts. Yes. And then you get Here Comes the Sun yeah. right after that. Such an interesting Perfect choice. sequencing. I wonder if that split sides. Like, when actually, Abbey Road was not a double album, was it? No. So no, it didn't. Because no. I think what starts the second side is like, You Never Give Me Your Money. Yeah. So no, it didn't. It, it would have been on right, the same is, side. You Never Give Me Your Money. Yeah. Um, just... I love like everything about this song about I want you. I like it's it's such a dirty feel to it. Mm. John has a great John scream on it. Um going into the there's a bunch of different cool riffs too. It's like it's actually sort of interesting to wonder how much of the Beatles would have sounded like this if they kept going into the 70s. I know. And that's something we talked about before with your blues and, yeah. and some of these other rockers like Get Back is this feels like a natural progression of where rock music was going into the 70s. If you look at what the Rolling Stones were doing and how, like, that dirty, gritty blues that they were doing, I, I feel like we just get more and more of this. More riff-based, more yeah. sort of drone and groove-based. Yeah. Um, and even though Paul didn't write songs like this, really, he always does such a good job playing bass on them and like yeah. just finding the groove. Come Together is an example yeah. Yeah. where he yeah. finds the groove and gets and you know, right into it. They played so well as a band on these songs. To that point, you know, if Paul wanted to write a rocker, he could. You see it with Helter Skelter, and I love the story behind it. That actually came in at 51. It just missed our list. Oh, did it? Uh, Helter Skelter is a response to The Who saying that, yeah. hey, you can't write a song as heavy as we have. And that Paul came with Helter Skelter, which absolutely rips, too. Yeah. So if he wanted to, I feel like he could. Um, oh, Darling is kind of an example. And Oh, Darling is a good example. I think maybe they could have pushed each other to, to get to more of that level as they went into the 70s, but we'll never know. We will never know, and it's unfortunate. Or it's fortunate, because who knows what they would have done to That's their right. legacy if they broke up. Because obviously a big part of their legacy is the fact that they came... They saw, they conquered, That's whatever, right. they did it all. And then Came, I saw, conquered. Record sales, sold out concert. A little Jay-Z for you. No big deal. Uh, quoting John Lennon. Um, I think we're getting a little delirious as we as we go further into this. We're like rapping Jay-Z lines. Yeah, when we listen back, it's going to be interesting to see how much makes sense. I, I know. Seriously. We can only pray that, that this discussion makes sense. I feel like I'm talking right now like I have just free reign. It feels like, like no one will ever hear I, it. I'm in the ether right now. Actually, what is probably true is that people have probably skipped ahead to this point. Oh, that's true. So they're getting like these wild, wild takes. <laughs> Wild Wild West, Will Smith. <laughs> Dude, let's get him a big friend of the pod. Here's a legitimate question for you. Should we hold off on our top 15? Should we do this as a separate episode? Because I feel like we're just going to we, we're gonna have a lot to say about the final 15. Hmm. And we maybe we regroup, we come back with fresh takes. Because I feel like we've done a good job up until now. We're starting to hit a point where maybe we're a little... A little delirious. Yeah, a little trigger happy. Yeah, uh, we're so tired, we haven't slept a wink. Don't know what to do. Uh, I'm so tired, but my mind is set on you. <laughs> okay, that's all I needed to know. Yeah. That we should stop here and do our top 15 maybe a little bit later. Like when? Uh, that's a question for when we're not on the, on the hot mic. All right. Um, yeah, let's take a break. We'll take a break. This is a good point to cut off. Yeah. We, where we this end is perfect. 16? Yeah, yeah. We're, so we're, we're into, into the top, top 15. 15 podcast. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed the... 50th to 16th Best Beatles Songs podcast and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Alright.
We're on. Okay. Mike's running. Jake, I don't know how many other ways I can say it. Jake was just trying to nail me to the cross on a couple of our no. year year end over under. I was just doing my due diligence. Sean can't handle a little bit of heat. Well, Jake, we when, okay. Look, no, no, I'll explain look, it. I'll explain it. When, when there's a Drake over under okay. about how many new beefs he'll get into. I don't follow Drake news. I don't. But it, I saw that's that, the whole point right there. If if you want to throw shade, no, you got to be the one who's up on keeping up with the list. You took it. I update all the over unders, Jake. I know. Okay, you, you, you got to trust me to do the right thing. Can I talk? You yes. took it too personally. I just thought, you know, in looking at it, you're winning a lot of the over unders. Like you know, it, it sort of behooves Sean that there's only one beef this year. He's implying so, there's foul play. So I, I did. I implied a little bit there was foul play. I don't Sean's, like the implication. No, you don't. You're very hurt. You're a very sensitive guy. I am too. I understand. I don't like. The I'm easily hurt as well. Yes. And uh, you know, no hard feelings. Okay. Yeah. No hard feelings. Says you. Yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, it's nice to know that you don't have hard feelings. So you're pretty pissed. About me, like, I mean, just asking and checking? You know, Jake, I, 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 you know, I don't have to like you to do this podcast. Wow. Holy so, shit. I don't know. Maybe we just, maybe we, we just, you know, get it done. Unbelievable. You know, maybe we just act like professionals for once and... You just get through just, it? Just do what we have to do. I mean, I didn't mean to do anything... Wrong. I was just saying, well, like, you know, I, when you come when you come at me with those accusations. Yeah, I mean, you're taking it really seriously. All I did was I was like, look, look, Sean's been updating this, like, and I looked the other day for the first time. I haven't been, I, I, you know, I take that, I, but I didn't know we had to look like every day. So I just looked and I saw, oh, there's only one. Isn't that convenient? You know, J- just took I, a look. I'm just I, took a look. The implica- again, the implications, disgusting. It's. <laughs> It's not sickening. It's not, It's sickening. It's sick to my stomach right it now. It was the over under is one and a half, right? That is correct. And so you can see why I would maybe be fishing for another one. And I you still got that, three months. It's a little early for uh, for these games you're playing, Jake. You know, this is something that you know December fifth rolls around. Sure, sure, you're fishing for another right. beef. I mean, you you're trying to conjure one out of midair. You know what, Jake? Why don't you start a beef with Drake? That'll put you over the, I would the love, one and a half. I would love to. Why don't you do it? We'll start one about his album lengths. Uh, <laughs> I think that started already. Um, I, I can't believe that, that you're really upset about this. It's incredible. You know, Jake, on, on the Beatles podcast episode, yeah. we're talking Drake beefs. Yeah. What, well, if, what, what is that? What have we come to? I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. You know, know. It, it's like... Sick. I'm sick. I'm sick to my stomach. It's like... I'm sick. It's like in Seinfeld when they're trying to write the show together. Yeah. And they're bickering and they're like, look at us. We're fighting. <laughs> Jerry, we're actually fighting. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? We're not really fighting. Uh, are we? No. That was fake. No, right? no, that was fake. That okay. was fake. I thought it was. was and then I was like, ooh, a little Wait real. Wait a minute. Yeah, no, it was fake. No. It was I mean, fake. am I am I actually 10 out of 10 pissed at you? Yes. yes. Absolutely. Yes. And I would hope you would be too. For me even... Suggesting that you might tinker with the the stats, knowing I wouldn't. Look. It's all gonna come out in the wash. People are gonna yeah. see our end of the year episode when we talk over unders. I've already locked up an overall over unders win. Yeah, I've already locked it up, Jake. Yeah, actually, no, I haven't. Right, I haven't. See, the thing is, you just said both those things, and to both of them, I said yeah or right. I was just like either one. <laughs> You're just giving right. me lip service. Like I truly don't really care. The I, only one I've solidified. Okay, I have two which I've nailed. That's it. Okay, would I you like could to, still win? Would I like to win a few? Yeah, it'd be nice. Yeah, I feel like you know we picked good numbers. Yeah, one of us had to take the over, one of us had to take the under. That's right. 
I think you happen to get a little lucky, and I think you're juking the stats a little bit ah, to try to try to pad that. that. Well, because you know? like I, I, I saw those rumors about a Drake Eminem beef. They were fabricated. Those were not yeah, true. They were fake. So I'm up on that. It was all a joke. You think I didn't know about that? I don't think you did. I didn't. Yeah. See that, and that's why it's not real because this is the first I'm hearing about it. Well, it was in the news. <sighs> the news. It was on like, like, raprumors.com. <laughs> like, a veritable source. What the fuck is that? <laughs> Rapboys.com. Well, hopefully, dude, I need Drake to get one more beef so I can hit the over on one of them. Yeah, we'll see. It's not going to happen. How do you know? Do you, <laughs> are you his personal handler? Once November rolls around, the year's basically done. No one does shit. That's not true. That's true. It is true because once. It's October once, 6th. I know, but it's basically November. It's basically Thanksgiving. His birthday's in October. OVO. October 24th. Bet you didn't know that. October's very own. I did know that. You um, did? Yes. Because OVO. Did yeah. you know it was October 24th? Sure. I have access to the internet, Jake, so yeah, I knew it. Yeah, but did you know it off the top no, of your head? No, of course I did. Um, no, what I'm trying to say is once Thanksgiving rolls around, the year's basically done. You might as well pack it in, leave it alone. Because the year's basically done once you hit November 20th. So hopefully we don't hit the over on Best New Musics. No, hopefully we do. No, hopefully we Hopefully don't. we do, because selfishly I want to win. Right, well your and logic unselfishly just now... I want I want good music for everyone else. I want more page views for Pitchfork. You you don't think it's in their best interest to give out Best New Musics and no. boost their page views Probably is, a but they've bit? been known to go on several week-long droughts. That's true. That's true. So, well, we need four more. Yeah, we do. But they, like I said, this has been a hot streak. I'm feeling good about it. Like five in a row. Yeah, there's gonna be a lull. Like yeah. he's not gonna. Well, just, there was a lull. There's gonna be another. Yeah. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ, Christ will, come, will again. come again. Same as lulls in best new music. That logic is always applied. It's been an old tried and true. You can set your watch to it. You can set your watch to 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 Christ coming again. Because <laughs> you well, like you can because like it's been 2016 years. So like, say he comes back and. 2300. Yeah. In 4600, if he comes back again, people will be like, he can set your watch to it. <laughs> Every 2300 years. You got 2300 years. You know, you can sin, you can do whatever you want, yep. as long as you repent in that 2300 you know years. When, stretch. You know, when you want to live is like in the 2400s. Because oh, you know yeah. you'll never, ever see him come again. You can live a life of sin. Sure, yeah. And just repent at the end and right. you're good. Right, exactly. You well, know he's not coming to, to judge you. There's no judgment day for you. Dude, it, how crazy would it be if the judgment day were real and happened? Um, it'd, be, it'd be so fucking scary. We'd be... We'd it's be, like demons flying around. He's horsemen. Like, what the fuck? We'd be done. Dude, we'd be so fucked. Because you know what? I'd stand my ground on this atheist thing. He'd be like, do you believe? I'd be like... Nah, this is smoke and mirrors. You're full of shit. Dude, I would flip... I'm going to take the other way and say that I would flip-flop so hard. For example, I remember learning... Fun fact, and we'll get into the Beatles podcast soon. (laughs) Yeah. But fun fact, Sean and I went to Catholic school until 8th grade. Yeah. Also fun fact, in 8th grade, we learned about, like, the Romans persecuting Catholics and a bunch of people through history and throughout, you know, the world persecuting Christians. And one of the major things was there'd be martyrs where they'd be like, are you a Christian? And they were so true that they would say yes and get killed. I remember being a 14, 13 year old and being like, I would just lie. I would immediately change religion to whatever they want so I can live. Why Why are you getting slain for this religion? 
Like, do, do, do you probably just were made to be that anyways. What do you have to lose? Or, like, what do you have to gain by, by doing this? You're probably some pauper. <laughs> right. You think you're going to get eternal life. Like, you probably sell pelts. I, I just don't get it. I don't either. I don't know. I don't either. We're probably, like, offending a lot of people. Uh, maybe. But it, it just is logic. Here's, here's a question. Yeah. What would you actually die for? Oh, man. You know, the rubber hits the road. What are you being like, yes, I'm I'm standing up for this and I'm dying for like it. My family are very close friends in terms of like, I, or like, do you mean a belief? Because uh, I don't know. Either or. What beliefs would you die for? Uh, That's a tough question. Like, none, because honestly... Because you can just believe whatever you want and I, say the opposite. I know, that's the thing. That's like, the whole point. That, I, I kind of think you're not that smart if you are like, no, I'm sticking by this no matter what. It's like, what are you gaining? It's like, all right, dude, then someone's going to put their cutlass through your throat. <laughs> exactly. Okay, then that's that's what's going to happen. It's like, dude, just say you believe in their God and then believe yourself <laughs> dude, in the other. Live to fight another fucking day, you yeah. idiot. It's like if someone was like, do you believe, like... Uh, there should be segregation again, and they were gonna kill me. I would be like, uh, okay, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, and exactly. I just would not believe it. Exactly. Still, I would just still believe the other thing. Exactly. Although, I mean, this is how like mass genocides happen, though, because people don't stand. They up. just go along with it. It's yeah. like Nazi Germany, where like, yeah, this this Hitler guy's got the right idea. Yeah, you know what? You're right because it's like the the I they came for the this. I did not speak because I wasn't one. Exactly. They came for the like Jews. I didn't speak because it, I was not one. And then when they came for me, there was no one there to speak for me. If so you, you know don't what? stand for something, Jake, you'll fall for anything. Wow, dude, I might. You know what? Have have uh, maybe I'll text you that quote. Maybe, Maybe that'll be a good inspirational quote. It'd be to a send great out. one. And here's the thing: you might have just twisted me the whole way around on this mm-hmm. because there's yeah, one logic dictates it's like I'll just say whatever you want so you won't kill me. Right. Maybe I wouldn't though. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on what the issue is and and what's happening. Yeah. I don't know. You got to pick your spots. You got to pick your battles. Yeah, it's tough to say uh, because like with religion. I like I don't care. Like you could tell me to say anything, right? And I just would, right, right, because right. it doesn't. I don't. It doesn't care. matter. But if it like affects other people right. in a real way, right? Then right. yeah. Here's an example for you. What if you someone's like, do you think that abortion should be legal? It's like, of course, yes. So what are the, like, what are the rim? It should be legal, or or like should like do women have the right to choose what okay. they want to do? It's like yes, of course they do. I'm. I feel passionately about that. I feel strongly about so that. So do I. But what's the consequence? The if consequence, you just, if you say no, is that... Are they forcing you to like vote on legislation yeah, that will you, make it illegal? Let's say that, yeah. Or they'll kill you. Yeah. Would you but rather your, die? Your vote, your deciding vote, you have the, you're the deciding vote, and it's if you vote no, you get to live. If you vote yes, they get to continue, like, or maybe I'm have, phrasing that wrong. To have but, safe legal abortion. Yes. Then if you're voting yes for that, if you're in agreement with that, you get killed. What do you do? I I, I think I I vote yes. I feel very I feel I feel like I feel strongly yeah. enough about that, and it affects enough people throughout not only presently but the rest of time where I would vote yes for that. I think my answer is I'd also vote yes because what I I mean I'd be scared as shit of yeah. being killed in like two seconds, and then I'm sure in this situation. Where these people have the power to kill me, they would just count my vote the other way anyway. Yeah, yeah. But the thing well, is, no, plot twist. Plot well, hold twist. on, hold on. Okay, The continue. reason I would say yes 
and stand by my sort of uh, beliefs is because my life isn't worth more right. than that right. happening safely exactly. and legally. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But the twist is... So there has to be stakes. It was all a... Just a wacky situation where they, they made you think you were going to die. And then once you voted the right way, they were like, oh, you made the right decision. Yeah. You didn't fold under pressure. And you get to live anyways. This is and like, you're a hero. This is like when I when you tell your teacher that they missed something they marked wrong on your test. Like you should have gotten a 90 and you got a 92. And you go up and you say, I got number 8 wrong and you didn't mark. I did this once. Why would you ever do that? Because I was very honest. I don't know what to tell you, dude. This is that's honestly that's a top five dumbest thing you can ever do. Well, here's your plot twist for you. She just let me keep the the grade. Yeah, be, yes, because she's like this kid's so fucking dumb. He's like eleven to come up to me and ask and and tell me to take points off. She, you, you think this teacher even cares? Because she was probably grading papers when she had a few glasses of wine and she's trying to fly through it so she can get done. Big shout to Mrs. Palermo and watch Melrose Place. Okay. Yeah. She doesn't give a fuck about what your score is. No, she she's does. like, oh my, okay. Sean, but you're coming to it with, from the perspective of our age now where we know that. I didn't know that when I was 11. I didn't know. I thought she really cared. And so I just told her, I was like, I should uh, be honest. You, and she... She let me keep the grade. Yeah. And she probably she's was like, like you know what? This kid's that, the biggest loser I've ever come across. I don't think so. I think she was probably like, you know that Jake's very honest. Very honest young man. I'm going to give him... I'm going to boost him up another letter grade. <laughs> another letter grade? Yeah. To an A++. You know, dude, it's actually a good thing there's not more teachers with your fucking mentality. Who, like, hate kids and I'm, hate all I'm sure there's a lot who do. Who are like, oh, these kids are fucking stupid. I know, that's why I'm saying it's a good thing there's not more. Because you need people who, like, actually believe in kids. Do you think, do you think she believed in kids and, like... Yeah. She was so jaded. She probably was. She she worked at a Catholic school where they get paid like significantly less than their public school counterparts. Uh, man, listen. All I'm saying is, I think little kid Jake melted her heart. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna be honest. Okay, let's let's. Well, little kid Sean was like she, uh, in the uh, back, probably selling stuff to other kids oh, under the table. Jake, who won the principal's award? Oh, sixth grade. Who all won of a sudden, it? who me, me or you? Which one of us is like a loser square now? Uh, neither. You called me a loser 10 seconds ago. Yeah, 11-year-old you. I won the principal's award. 11-year-old you. Who won the principal's award? You won the principal's award. Exactly, that's right. Because they gave that to the cool kids. That's not true. I wasn't a cool kid. I was a maverick, Jake. I was an outlier. Oh, okay. So they give it to mavericks. I did my own thing. I, I, I marched to the beat of my own They drum. would not give you the principal's award <laughs> if you did that. No. They give you the principal's award because you, like, sat down and shut up and did what you were told. <laughs> it didn't, like, piss anyone off. Right, yeah. It's yeah. a shame I didn't get the principal's award. I know. For being honest. You know, Jake, if you're going to die on that hill... Dude, listen. Like, I mean, you, you're you going to call me a little, little kid Jake a little square, and then you won the fucking principal's award... It's like, all right, if you, I mean, King, I already told you they give it to like cool kid Mavericks. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. 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 They gave it to you because you were like really, really hip. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Listen. This has been a contentious. <laughs> it's <got> a little <laughs> testy. <laughs> little testy. <laughs> it's been a little contentious. Yeah. I think we've been talking for like twenty minutes. Alright, we gotta we gotta get in. Dude, our after shows have been getting so long. They're absurd. It's too much. It's too much. I feel like, I feel like people, if you know that they're here, 
I feel like you gotta look forward to them, right? Yeah, maybe. I feel like it's fun content. <laughs> I mean, if you've gotten this far... And, like, you don't have to fucking listen if you don't want no, to. No, if you've gotten this far, God bless you. Yeah. You don't have to listen. Holy shit, this has been a crazy <laughs> one. <laughs> nice look into our, our, our lives Oh, here. my God. All right, want to talk Beatles? Yeah, I do. Okay, all right, I'm let's do down. it. Three, two, one... <laughs> 